We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everyone? We are back with another Twitter Spaces podcast. It is 1045 in the morning of the Hornets' third Vegas Summer League game. They play Portland tonight at 830 Eastern Time. This is Richie, and I appreciate anyone and everyone that will be popping in and out of Twitter Spaces today that could join me. I've got a handful of prepared questions that were sent in through either Substack or through Twitter. And I will get to those first. And then if we have any time for speaker requests or questions or comments, I can maybe carve out some time at the end or throughout these questions. We will just see how this goes. And the first question comes up from Keith, and he's asking more for the offseason purposes. He says that Mark Stein reported that Kyra Lewis Jr. could be available. Could he be the answer at backup point guard? Is he worth giving up assets for? It seems like Kyra Lewis Jr. was highly thought of coming out of Alabama, but he really hasn't found a role in the NBA in his three seasons in New Orleans. He also had to deal with a ACL injury at one point last season coming back from that. I can't say I've watched a ton of Pelicans games, Keith, this past season. And even if I did, there was probably a, a very good chance that he just wasn't playing. But I do remember, and I, I remember talking about this on a podcast earlier uh, this season, where I just randomly tuned in to an NBA TV game in the middle of the season where the Pelicans were on. I think they were playing either the Bucks or the Spurs, but it seemed like one of the better games for Lewis Jr. of his season. He certainly has, you know, you know, coming out of Alabama, you, you see it on the NBA level as well. The burst, the change of speed. He likes to get north-south as much as possible. So he'd fit in perfectly with the team that likes to get out in transition with Ball and Bridges returning. I think that he would fit that mold. But I still think that there are going to be concerns with Kyra Lewis Jr. in the half court. You know, other, other than his ability to get to the rim, how would you use him? Because I wouldn't necessarily say he's a good facilitator yet. He hasn't shown that. Or a guy that's going to create a ton of good looks for his teammates. Um, 
His three-point percentage did take a, a big hike this past season, but it was on such a low volume, it's really hard to take anything away from that. So is he a guy that I would take a flyer on for Charlotte? Maybe, uh, but I really wouldn't give up anything of value for him. Maybe a second rounder. It sounds like the Pelicans are, are doing this to get under the tax, so I'm not sure that they'd be too picky either, but he certainly wouldn't be my first choice for the point guard position in the backup role. Uh, but I appreciate the question, Keith, and it's certainly an option for the Hornets if they can't find someone in the free agent market. Uh, next question comes from Substack from Rich Ballantyne. Is it me or do the Hornets just look disjointed in these summer league games? It sure looks like a lot of one-on-one except for some good passes here and there from Brandon Miller. Yeah, I won't go too deep on this one, but I agree. There doesn't seem to be a lot of flow within the Hornets offense. Some of it could be attributed to not having a actual point guard, but I do think some of the off ball movement stuff too has been severely lacking. I mentioned this on the previous podcast, but for Charlotte to win any of these games, which obviously they have not done that so far, they're really going to have to do it by making tough shots, contested shots, because they aren't really creating a ton of good looks. And they've resorted to taking a ton of shots off several dribbles, trying to just beat people to the spot, getting to the lane, over dribbling, ISO possessions. You know, don't want to speculate too much on the coaching, but this isn't a Clifford run team. This is a team that's run by assistants. And I, I will leave it at that. But thank you for the question there, Rich. Next question from Ryan through Substack. Has Miller always shot with the ball way out in front? I hadn't watched a ton of him, and that really sticks out. It's a quick release, but it seems more likely to get blocked, especially at the NBA level. It's funny. I hadn't really noticed that. Like Shooting form to me unless it's like really quirky or a player has like a noticeable hitch or a player overgoes some kind of drastic overhaul to the mechanics, I don't necessarily look too hard at people's shooting form. I think Miller's shot is very fluid. Uh, it's, It's fairly quick, but probably could be a little bit elongated because he is so long. I think, I just think players who are taller have that wingspan and you can only speed up your shooting form so much. And I am no shot doctor by any means. But one thing that I do notice with him is that he brings the ball down a little bit lower than I would like. But I am also of the school of thought, if you can make your shot repeatable, it's efficient. It doesn't get blocked. There doesn't seem to be anything holding it back. I, I see no reason to overhaul it. But I'm sure that if the coaches see this in Brandon Miller's shot form and they see his shot getting blocked on closeouts on the NBA level or they feel that it could be sped up a little bit by you know changing X, Y, or Z, you'd hope that the coaching staff is looking at that and would tinker with it uh, if that does become a problem down the road. But to me, like looking at Brandon Miller throughout the course of these four games, I guess the fifth game is tonight, the shooting form is not what is really holding him back. I I wouldn't think he's not getting his shot blocked by any means, but we will see how that progresses to the actual NBA level. But, uh, you know, he has a a fairly repeatable, quick shot, quick release. And that's what I do like about Brandon Miller. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. All right, these next three questions are all about Brandon Miller. I'm just going to lump them all together. One is from Brian Adams on Twitter. What is Miller's best position and why is it the two? Next question from John Burgers on Twitter. What do you project Brandon Miller's role to be? I have a feeling he's largely going to be a movement shooter with some flashes of self-creation in the half court. If we try to use him as a primary option away from Mello, how often do we see that? Specifically, what kind of looks? And the third one, friend of the show, at McClee, do they intentionally put Miller uh, on position four? Which position or role do you think Miller would play at the beginning of the season? So all these questions are kind of asking the same t- same thing, like what position will Brandon Miller play early on? What is his role going to be? I think Brandon's best position is probably the two or the three. I don't think it really matters all that much what you want to call him, the shooting guard or the small forward. It just depends on how they use him. And and some teams use the two and three in very similar ways. I think defensively, he might not be able to defend all the small forwards, but there is a chance that he can toggle between the two, right? If you go small, I guess there are some situations where he can play the four, but it would have to be for shorter spurts, especially early in his career when he's still trying to bulk up and working on his defensive game. The role question might be the better one, just because not all twos play alike. I think early on in his career, and we briefly mentioned this when we did a film breakdown of Miller, that he will be used off ball, coming off pin downs, 
maybe some elevator screens, some dribble handoffs. And then one action I think that he'd actually benefit a lot from is something that Charlotte loves to use, but uses use him as a screener instead of him coming off a screen. Use him as a ghost screener. And I, I mainly mean that because if you have a player like Ball and he immediately Miller immediately slips to the weak side wing for three, for a catch and shoot three, that creates some confusion. And so in addition to him playing off ball, I do think that they need to use him as an actual screener. He still has a ways to go with the ball in his hands in terms of being a consistent self-creator. I actually trust his ability to create for others out of the pick and roll versus creating for himself in these pick and roll situations. We've seen in summer league that he has shown flashes of ball handling moves, and I do tend to buy into his passing off the bounce. But again, his strength and lack of burst will hold him back in the pick and roll game. So he might be able to string together a couple of like in and out dribbles and and moves, but all it takes is for some physicality to come into play. And that typically negates any kind of advantage that he could gain with his handle. So he can come off a screen and try to get downhill, but he'll, he'll get knocked off his path uh, because of his frame. Or if he does see a gap trying to explode and get off the floor and rise up over weak side defenders, that's going to be a challenge for him. And I guess one area in which I'm still interested in seeing how, it develops is his mid-range because I think that's something that we haven't seen since high school. And I bet if he tapped into that, he'd have more of a game with the ball in his hands. But to the questions that are being asked here, you know, I'm not sure he's going to be a primary option away from Mello. It's going to be more of the off-ball stuff. But when he does get uh, the ball in his hands late in the shot clock, you know, he has the ability to play out of the pick and roll, but you know, he might have to lean on the floater or the mid-range game, and it might not be something that he can take all the way to the cup. All right, next question. At Hornets underscore trucker. Do you think Najee has shown enough to make the active roster, or will he play overseas? Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like Najee has proven himself in Summer League to make the roster over a guy like Kai Jones, but the reports are indicating that he will continue to play overseas with Barcelona. He's only 18 years old and he has signed through the 2027 season over in Barcelona and they would need to buy him out for him to come over to Charlotte. We really gushed over Najee on the most recent episode for his toughness, his nose for the ball, for offensive rebounds, and just as importantly, something that I guess I wouldn't have expected is his lateral movement. Like this has surprised me the most out of James Najee, the way that he can contain space in the pick and roll as a defender and the way he can set tough screens and get to where he wants to go. And, you know, just setting the screens and rolling hard, like he creates a ton of space with his screens and he's able to move quickly out of those screens to get downhill. The one thing I do worry about, and this is not just Najee, it just, when it comes to draft and stash players, is that sometimes it feels that teams like put those players on the back burner and when they acquire guys in trades or through, you know, future picks or whatever, it's almost like they hardly think about the guy that was drafted one or two years ago and they forget that he's overseas and it almost prevents his path to coming to the NBA. 
So I'm not saying that you know you need to make the the move now and and buy him out and put him on the big league roster, but it it just seems that way. Drafting stash guys, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of thing. And every case is different. And if you're good enough to play, you obviously will over here in the NBA. But they do get overlooked, at least in my opinion. And typically, they don't have the same priority to develop domestically as you would want. But we will see with James Nadja. He has definitely been impressive in the minutes that he has played here in Vegas and, and, and Sacramento. All right, the next two questions I'm going to lump together as well from at Sean underscore C and at Brian underscore Beck. You guys seem equally disappointed in Kai and Book. I've been somewhat encouraged by Kai over the last two games. Not perfect, but seems to understand his role. And the effort is there. Nick uh, Nick Richards, I guess. Nick Richards made a huge jump last year after Summer League. Are the reasons for optimism for Kai? Brian says, what are the odds we don't pick up the fourth-year team options on Kai Jones and Book Knight? That's a good question, too. So I would say I'm equally disappointed in both Kai and Book. I wouldn't say that I'm you know, one over the other. It's all relative, but there have been times where Book has looked better than Kai and vice versa. I actually thought Book Knight had some moments in his second game in Sacramento, and I thought he actually started off the Lakers game a couple nights ago fairly well. I think his shot not falling makes everything worse. So when that doesn't go in, even the process gets overlooked. But when he is catching and firing and not hesitating like he did, to start the Lakers game, it just looks better and it allows the offense to flow. And then obviously the ball going through the hoop is an added bonus. When he is hesitating and dribbling and not making much progress with his handle, that's when, you know, the thought of him progressing starts to dwindle. And he hasn't provided a lot of hope in that category. As far as Kai goes, you know, he's had his typical energy going for those 50-50 balls. He's been active on the offensive glass, but mostly has felt uninvolved. BG and I talked about how the Hornets used a five-out offensive system more often against the Lakers, and they used him at the top of the key as a hub that would go east-west. But that just isn't cutting it because he doesn't offer any type of real ball movement or playmaking. Like He's not going to be a guy that makes those backdoor passes like a Cody Zeller when the Hornets used him in that same type of role. And he's really no threat to face up and shoot the ball, so defenders can sag off of him, and it clogs up any type of spacing that the Hornets would have had in the middle of the court. Uh, defensively for Kai, you know, there's been moments he's contained the pick and roll. Other times there's been moments when he hasn't contained the pick and roll. He also just doesn't have the strength and body and the and the build to go one-on-one and body bigger players on the block, so he's going to get pushed off at times. And I think as it relates to Nick Richards, because that was what Sean C. had asked about, I actually think Nick Richards made a jump last season in Summer League. You, you saw that in Summer League. It wasn't after Summer League. And you also heard the praise from the coaches over the summer. I, I'm just not... I'm just not seeing or hearing the same things as it relates to both Kai and Book Knight. And then the the next person, I think it was Brian, asked, what are the odds Charlotte picks up the fourth-year options for Kai and Book Knight? So they are entering their third year, and these things are typically no-brainers for teams to invoke, that you just 
You just have to be somewhat good enough and show some type of progress because these fourth year options are typically cheaper. Kai is about four and a half million. Book Knight is about six million. But you do wonder if they're worth that next year. And by next year, I mean in 2024. And Charlotte could decline the option and have them play out the season for the upcoming season and just kind of go from there. But that would put them uh, in the unrestricted free agents in 2024. But yeah, you almost always see these options being exercised for rookies in their third and fourth years in the league. I, w- I want to say of all the, the rookies last year that were on their third and fourth options, there was only like three or four that were not exercised. But Charlotte does have to make this decision by October 31st. So they've got some time to think about it. But yeah, they, they could they could definitely be in their last year in Charlotte and they would be unrestricted free agents come 2024. But yeah, this is a good question and one that I really haven't thought about before. But the more that I think about it, the more I actually think that Charlotte could potentially decline the options on one of these guys or maybe even both. It wouldn't surprise me. And then, you know, if they're on their last year of the contract, they could just let it play it out or they could kind of trade them midseason as a filler for a trade if they wanted. I believe uh, the Suns did that with Jalen Smith. Used him as, you know, they declined his option and ended up trading him. But we will see. All right, next question. Question for the upcoming podcast. I know it's Summer League, but I would love to see an opinion on each draft pick in the Summer League. Has it gone up in stock or down in stock for each one compared to what you thought of each prospect before the draft? So we're talking about Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr., James Naji, and Amari Bailey. And we're going to rate them stock up, stock down, or I'm going to throw in a third option, stock neutral. Now, this obviously is very subjective because a lot of it is based on pre-draft thoughts. And if anyone has listened to the podcast, I don't really have a lot of pre-draft thoughts about how they played in college or overseas and how that translates. I just don't do a lot of that scouting. And so when you compare that to how they've played after a few games in summer league, you know, this this could be very different for, for different people. So we'll start with Brandon Miller. And I don't know if I'm going to be harsh on this. I, I was debating between stock neutral or stock down. I'm, I'm going to go with stock down. And this is just the current situation. This has no indication of how the number two overall pick will project to be. It's more about how he has played. And he obviously comes in with higher expectations than your typical lottery pick at the back end. Like he's not he's not an eighth overall pick, a ninth overall pick. He's the second overall pick. And we've talked about the lack of cohesion and the off-ball movement for the Hornets and how the offense isn't suited to highlight him right now. And maybe that that changes come October. I mean, it will because he's going to be playing with better players, but he hasn't shot the ball particularly well. His off-ball stuff has been average, I would say. And he still has a he still's got a ways to work on his strength, which, you know, needs to come with time. I think his defensive compete level has been good. I think his handles when he hasn't had to fight through like contact have been pretty solid. He loves the in and out dribble. And his passing has been a pleasant surprise. But I think ultimately where I land with his stock, I, I will say stock down just because of the expectations. But I don't think anyone should be worrying that that much, considering he'll benefit from playing with LaMelo Ball, 
with the actual big league team. So I don't think it's an indication of where he will end up being, but if you were to just say stock down right now, I think that's a pretty reasonable take. Now, the other first-round pick was Nick Smith Jr., and I kind of lean stock down with him too. I don't, I didn't really know too much about him heading into the draft, but I had higher expectations for him compared to maybe Bailey or Najee because of where he was picked and his high school pedigree. He, you know, he's definitely been playing out of position, but he still over dribbles to the point to where the offensive timing has been less than ideal for Charlotte. I think the one area in which he has excelled is his mid range pull up. He looks very comfortable coming off the bounce and rising up for the 15, 14-footer. But sometimes it's after he's dribbled like four or five times where you're wondering, okay, what what type of actions did he just completely ignore that, that could have been a better shot? But he does look comfortable in that type of situation. He's not really coming off the, the screen to pass. I haven't really been paying attention too intently on the defensive side for Nick Smith Jr., but I've seen him chasing a ton, some good, some bad. I remember this one possession cannot remember when in the game it was, but he was chasing, I think it was late in the game, he was chasing a Laker on the weak side of the court and took a very poor angle. I can't remember who the Laker was, but the Laker curled the screen and the Hornets had no one in the paint to help defend the cut. And Smith, because he took such a poor angle and I was on like the top side of him, made it way easier for this Laker because he was trailing, trailing wide. He couldn't get inside to gain some leverage. And it was an easy, open cut on the weak side, and there was no backside help. So, uh, you know, that's just one possession of one game in Summer League. But that's just something that stood out to me. And then like anything, any rookie, he's going to have some things to work on. And, and jumping straight into Summer League with less than ideal roster is never the best way to evaluate guys. But I'm going to go stock down slightly with NSJ. All right, Amari Bailey and James Naji, both second-round picks. I'm going to go stock up for both, stock up for both of these guys. So I really didn't even use the stock neutral that I added. But Bailey has proven to me that he knows how and when to attack the basket. He's really good at turning the corner on DHOs, and he builds up momentum in the right way really well. He gets an easier path to the rim. He's been good in transition, too. I do wish he would play a little bit more. And then Najee, I talked about this earlier, but has impressed everyone with his knack for finding the ball on rebounds, his energy, and really for being so young, has shown good signs of development in areas that you would think that would come a little bit later. He doesn't have a shot right now, but he's got a good foundation to work off of. But, you know, positioning, lateral movement, hustle, that's going to take him a long way. So I'll say stock down for both the first round picks and then stock up for Bailey and Najee. All right, next question from Buzzboys on Twitter. What is your preferred 10-man rotation for this team, and who is your choice for backup point guard, if I had a choice? So let me start with the backup point guard choice, because that's going to factor into my 10-man rotation. When it comes to that, there are a couple of names out there, and, and first off, whether or not the Hornets even fill that role, other than maybe Teo, if he's not on a two-way the choices are slim. It's It's been reported that both John Wall and Isaiah Thomas had a private workout for some NBA teams. Whether or not the Hornets were a part of that, I'm not sure. But if you believe Cupcheck's comments about bringing in a veteran free agent, maybe these are the names that you can look to. If I had the choice between Wall and IT, 
I think it'd be difficult because I see the benefits of both. With wall, you've got more size. You've got the ability to get to the rim. You get the playmaking from wall. And really isn't isn't awful at creating some events on defense. He'll get his hands into passing lanes here and there. So wall, not much of a shooter. Uh, but on the other hand, with IT, you, you got a guy that that's going to get you some points on the perimeter. He, he's a better shooter. Good pull-up shooter when he was with Charlotte. And for being undersized, he can actually get downhill uh, for his height, even though that limits him in some ways. But I don't believe, if I'm, I could be wrong, I don't think Isaiah Thomas played last year. I think the last time he played was two seasons ago. So that's a limiting factor for me. But the one thing that might swing me in the direction of Thomas over Wall is the fact that he's been in this locker room before. He's played with these guys before. And always brings a little bit more of that comfort to the team. And as much as the Hornets have some veterans on the team, like Gordon Hayward, for example, he's not a vocal guy. Like Thomas is going to bring that. And I remember when we had PJ Washington on the podcast several years ago, he talked about how important IT was to the team. And he wished that that dude had been on the team for the full season and not just for that that short period at the end of the season a couple years ago. But after saying all that, I don't think I would actually go Wall or IT. I'd actually lean toward Desunmu for the backup point guard position. I've talked about him before. I like his upside, the potential to secure him for multiple seasons, which with him being a restricted free agent, any offer sheet that you do submit to a restricted free agent has to be for multiple years anyway. Um, I like his profile as a rim pressure guy. I like his burst, his change of speed on offense, and then you know, just his ability to be a pest on the defensive side of the court. So that would be my choice. So I'm going to factor him into my 10-man rotation for the Hornets. Um, And I'm going to do this, too, with the assumption that P.J. Washington is still on the roster. Whether that's, you know, on the qualifying offer of $8.5 or if they do come to some kind of agreement for multi-year, P.J. is going to be part of this 10-man rotation. So I'm going to just do it by position, I've got two point guards, three wings, three forwards, and two centers. And there's one guy that's the 11th man on the outside looking in. I tried to find a way to put him in here, but you know this could all change if they never actually sign another point guard. Okay, for the point guards, I've got uh, Lamella Ball, obviously, and Ayo Desunmu. For the wings, I've got Cody Martin, Brandon Miller, Terry Rozier, not in any kind of order. I just, those are my wings. So that's five players so far. For the forwards, I got Hayward, Bridges, and Washington. That's eight. And then my two centers being Williams and Richards. Now the 11th player, maybe most of you guys have guessed it, JT Thor. I tried to find a way to place him into this, but I didn't know who I would take out. Like he's not replacing... Bridges or Washington. He's not going to be replacing Hayward. And then, I don't know, Cody Martin. I mean, I I don't know how you finagle it to where JT Thor could be a part of this 10-man rotation, even though he showed some promising signs last year. Now, if the Hornets never do sign a backup point guard and they literally go with Rozier as the starting two, but also running some point and also having Cody Martin maybe be a little bit of a point guard in the backup rotation, then yeah, then it's easily, you can just slide JT Thor 
and you would really only have one true point guard on the roster. But my actual, my starting five, I was actually looking at this. My starting five, I would actually go Ball, Rozier, Bridges, Washington, Williams. I would move Hayward to the bench, just lessen his minutes. And then for the bench five, it would be Dosunmu, Martin, Miller, Hayward, and Richards. And a lot of you guys are like, oh, why isn't Brandon Miller starting? I just think with him as a rookie, eventually he'll get to that point to where he will start. But I think as of now, he's going to be coming off the bench. But that's that's my 10. It was very hard to do. Uh, and obviously, we don't even know about the backup point guard situation. So I, I kind of put a player in there that's not even on the roster. But I appreciate everyone that has tuned in live for this Twitter Spaces episode. If you join late, though, this will be out later today for the BuzzBeat Plus subscribers and then on Wednesday tomorrow for the public feed. We ask you guys to continue to support us by either leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or even just putting your email in our Substack database so you can get the free post every once in a while and any kind of notification for any other post on BuzzBeat Plus. All right, guys. Take care, go Hornets, and we will talk to you guys next time.